can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of our Lord. Our Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His praise. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of our Lord. Surely the presence of our Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Our Lord is in this place. Yes, surely the presence of our Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the flesh of angels' wings. I see glory on each face, for surely the presence of our Lord is in this place. Yes, surely the presence of our Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power. His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. For surely the presence of our Lord is in this place. Church, surely the presence. Of our Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence. Let me walk in the gospel line. 
gospel light. Let me walk in the gospel light till my journey is over and I travel no more. Let me walk in the gospel light with a world full of fear, many burdens to bear. the gospel light, oh let me walk in the light, in the great gospel light, let me walk in the gospel light, and till my journey is over, and I travel no more, let me walk in the gospel light, oh let me walk in the light, in the great gospel light, let me walk in the gospel light, till my journey is over, and I travel no more, let me In the gospel light, till the setting of sun and my work here is done, let me walk in the gospel light. Oh, let me walk in the light, in the great gospel light. Let me walk in the gospel light until my journey. come to have church because we serve a mighty God. He's a miracle worker. We want to continue to pray for Brother Duplis and his family. Ask God to strengthen them. Pray and ask God to have his way in this service today. We want to pray for Jennifer Reeves, Sister Myers, Sister Bergeron, Dale and Melita, and all that are sick not able to be here. But let's ask God to take charge of this service here this morning. God, we love you. We praise you, God. We 
is glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Why don't somebody shout to God with the voice of triumph this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's good to see everyone that's in the house of the Lord today. Amen. So thankful for God's goodness and His mercy and His blessings and allowing us to come together to worship and to praise and to magnify God. We want to welcome everyone that is here and everyone that is joining us on the broadcast this morning and um, in these crazy times that we live in. And uh, want to welcome you. I encourage everyone that is home to turn your home into a church service this morning. 
Stop whatever you're doing that would distract you. Get your mind on the Lord. And uh, let's have church together today. I believe that God come to do something good for us in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to see Brother Michael Smith and his family. Good to see Loreen and Landon here today. Good to see uh, uh, Emily. Emily, I get might get it right. Uh, Emily and Aaron here today. I get them mixed up all the time. But uh, glad that they're here and everyone else that's in the house of God. So glad to have Brother and uh, Sister Smith here with us. And enjoy the Word of God Wednesday night. Looking forward to the Word of God this morning. Good to see uh, the friend that Brother Dylan brought with him today. Amen. He went a long way to, to reach out. His, his outreach ministry is working. And um, last week he had a different young lady with him, and we appreciate that. <laughs> Thought I'd help him out just a little bit there. But um, glad that she's in the house of the Lord with us. I want to uh, remind everyone that's listening on the broadcast this morning, you can uh, give, you can text to give at 855-557-5324. 855-557-5324. They say that one of the most contaminated things uh, during this, in this virus is your cash dollars. So to get that contamination out of your life, bring it all to the house of God. And uh, we'll put it to good use. So you don't want to get contaminated with the green stuff. So we ask you to give as given unto the Lord. We want to remind you today that there will be choir practice tonight here at the church at 6 o'clock. There will be no service this evening. Uh, We are preparing for uh, the service for Sister Duplessy tomorrow and there is a different funeral service here at 2 o'clock today. Uh, Billy Payne's service will be here at the church at 2 o'clock. So remember that, but the choir be here at 6 o'clock to practice. They will be singing uh, tomorrow at Brother, uh, Sister Duplessy's funeral. And uh, so remember that the uh, visitation will start at 5 o'clock. The service will be at 7 o'clock. Uh, it will also be broadcast live on Facebook, however you work that. I'm sure there's a lot of you that can figure that out. And um, I think it's a link uh, connected to uh, Bruce Ard's mortuary, so remember that. And um, I ask you, please, I know this is very difficult for us, uh, but please do not be hugging, shaking hands, and getting close fellowship. Try to keep that to the minimum, and I will tell you again, please, I know everyone wants to hug Brother Duplessy and shake his hand, but please refrain from doing so, even if he tries to shake your hand and hug your neck, tell him you can't do it, because I might have more influence on you than I have on him, but uh, the virus is definitely going around, and uh, not just in our, everybody seems to think that the only place you can get it is in church. But when I look at the news and read the news and read the newspaper, I don't think all these people that's getting it's that religious. But um, I think uh, Trump got it, and I don't know if he's been to church in the last four years. But anyway, so uh, there is multiple places to get it. And uh, but the main way I think that it's spread is by fellowship and hugging necks and touching things that people has touched that is contaminated. So. 
I don't know what the answer is. I guess the answer is probably when everybody gets it, it will find somewhere else to go. Um, it's probably like this. You either have had it or you're in the process of getting it or you will get it. Uh, just pray that God keeps his hand over everyone and keeps everyone healthy and, and uh, good. I ask you uh, today to please take your belongings home with you. Take your Bibles, your notepads, your pillows, your blankets, your food, everything that you bring to church to make yourself comfortable. Take it home with you today. And if not, you may not be able to find it when you come back to church next weekend or Wednesday night. So remember that. And uh, I thank you for everything that everyone has done, uh, not only here, but you that are home and uh, in the community has done so many things to uh, help us in uh, this very difficult time uh, that the family is going through right now. The food, the fellowship, the kind words, the text, the calls. I want to say a personal thanks and from Brother Duplessy, myself, and my family, how much we do appreciate it so very much. And I told you Wednesday night um, that I've gained a lot of weight during this last couple of weeks, and uh, I'll have to work on that at a later date because I'm not going to stop eating yet. And uh, so that's my New Year's resolution that I'm going to take off all the pounds that I've gained because of Sister Duplessy. And uh, so I do want to say thank you very, very much. It means a lot to us. And I don't know what people do without the church. I don't know what people do without God. And I don't know what people do without God's church. I'm thankful for God, and I'm thankful that God has a church that God has allowed me to be part of today. And I'm not doing God any favors by being part of the church. He's done me a great favor by allowing me to be part of the church. And we should never forget how, how blessed that we are to be a part of the kingdom of God. And uh, so we have come together. I know today it seems like when we get everybody about here and, and uh, everything back to normal, here comes another wave and it disturbs everyone and uh, scares everybody. And, and uh, so I think there's a lot of things that's got people scared and disturbed today. But I tell you what, I'm not putting my trust in a vaccine. I'm not putting my trust in politics. I don't have my trust in the United States of America, but I have my trust in God. Amen. That God would help us, and God would protect us, and God would lead us, and God would guide us, and God would bless us in this troublesome time. I know that 2020 is, is a year that I am ready to see in my rearview mirror. And uh, it seems like when we're about through with it, it just gives some more. And uh, But I want to tell you, out of all of the things that has happened in 2020, God has been doing great things also. People have received the Holy Ghost. People have been baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. People have made new commitments and new dedication and consecration to God. And for that, I am grateful. And no matter what the devil throws at the church... He cannot destroy the church. Amen. Amen. The church is built upon a firm foundation 
a solid rock, and that rock is Christ Jesus. Amen. How many is glad for the church today? How many come expecting a word from God this morning? How many come with anticipation that I'm going to give something to the Lord today? Amen. Let's stand and worship and praise God as Brother Brother Smith comes to deliver the word today. Thank you, Pastor Looper. And all praise to God for His faithfulness, His goodness, and His favor upon His people. Life does not always go exactly as we would like for it to go, but we have a God who's above all, through all, and in us all. And His ways are best, He's right. Even when I don't understand everything about what happens, he's still right. And I can trust him. I've been trusting him all down through the years, and that's not about to change. Regardless of what goes on in our world, regardless of what happens in our nation, or regardless of what unfolds in personal lives, our God is still on the throne. And he rules from the heavens. Amen. It's a wonderful privilege to be with Elder Duplissy. I have the highest of esteem and respect for uh, Brother and Sister Duplissy. And uh, uh, I'm happy to be in Silsby. I didn't anticipate it would be for, for this occasion. However, I, I would not want to be anywhere else than to be here. And pay respect to such a, a dear saint of God, such a wonderful inspiration to the Smiths. And so we thank the Duplices for their, their encouragement to us over these years of traveling and doing missionary evangelism as we have been very active and involved in. Our hearts go out to not only Elder Duplissy, but to all of the Duplissy family Pastor and Sister Looper, people that we love from the depths of our hearts and uh, would do anything in the world for you folks, Brother Looper, Sister Looper. In fact, I'd even try to stand on my head today, and I haven't done that for a long time, but I would try my best to do it. That's how much I love them and their family and uh, all of this church family at First Pentecostal Church in Silsby. It's an honor to be with you. Others that we're seeing from uh, different areas of the country, good to be with all of you today. And I thank God for the privilege of having my wife with me. You can be seated. Enjoyed this wonderful singing and worship time today. Uh, It's always great to get into the presence of God. In fact, if we can get into the presence of God, we get lifted up. Because when we start lifting Him up, He lifts us up. And I thank Him today for the uplift that I feel in my spirit, just being in the wonderful presence of God. So those that are in the house of God today, glad to be with you. Those that are listening on the broadcast, glad to be with you. And I'm believing that the Lord is going to meet us in a special way in the remainder of this service. Sister Smith, the pastor, has asked you to sing this morning, so if... uh, those of you that didn't hear him ask, he asked me when it, 
he turned to me. So Sister Smith, come and and uh, sing as unto the Lord today. And probably Elder Duplessis wouldn't let me away with it if you didn't any. every day, Lord, to keep our eyes focused in your direction. 
Amen. I'll tell you what, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour when the trumpet of the Lord will sound. And most of us don't know the time when we're going to depart from this life. But it could be the next step we take. Could be in another realm completely. And I want it to be on streets of gold. Thank you, Sister Smith. A song I love to hear her sing or to hear sung with great excitement to know that the people of God have a blessed hope, a hope this world doesn't give and a hope the world can't take from us. If if you lose it, you're going to give it up, but it can't be taken from. I thank God for the blessed hope of His work and not only His work in our lives down here, but the culmination of this born-again experience will be when the trumpet of the Lord sounds and the people of God are caught up, whether from the grave or those who are living and yet remain, were caught up together to meet the Lord in the air And so shall we ever be with Him. Amen. I tell you what, if you've you've not got into practice of dancing before the Lord then, then I I just want to be watching when you dance down streets of gold. I'm just saying that because I've had people tell me, well, I'm not real emotional. I'll tell you what, when this world is all behind and its troubles and its trials and its problems and its disappointments and its frustrations and its times of parting and struggle and it is no more, I tell you what, we're going to dance, we're going to shout, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, not just for a moment and not just for a Sunday meeting, but for all eternity. Hallelujah. I tell you today, I wouldn't miss heaven for this world. I wouldn't miss heaven for anything this world has to offer. Amen. Whether you're in the house or listening on the broadcast today, if there are things holding you back, if you've got a chain around your leg, if you've got some some obstacle in your path, I tell you what I'd do. I'd start swinging. I'd get out the Word of God and I'd start cutting and I'd get rid of everything that was holding me back. I'd make up my mind. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to cross the finish line. I'm going to hear Him say, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Tell you what, heaven isn't just for older folks. Heaven isn't just for people, you know, that they get up there in age and they got nothing. No, no, heaven's for young people. Heaven's for children. Heaven's for married couples. Heaven's for anybody that's willing to lay down your own life and let the work of God become real to you. Someone said, well, I love God. I love Him so much. I just can't get rid of some of these things of of this world. I tell you what, if you love God like you really need to love God, then I'll tell you the exact opposite of that is to hate what you shouldn't love, to get a, get a firm determination that you hate the things that would separate you from God. Get them out of the way. I said, get them out of the way. If you got to go to the altar one time a day, ten times a day, if you got to keep yourself at the altar, continue, that's all right. I'd rather make heaven my home than to be held back by anything in this world that you're going to have to give up anyway. Yeah. 
when the trumpet of God sounds and we cross this divide between, between earthly life and everlasting life, tell you what, the things that hold people back right now, they're going to give them up then. Yeah, you need to think about it. You need to think about the things that you're saying, well, I just can't do what I, what God really wants me to do today. Somebody's, uh, somebody's holding me back. Well, that somebody won't be holding you back once the trumpet of God sounds, but it'll be too late to change it. So I'd look whoever that somebody is square in the eyes and I'd say, you know what? I've made up my mind. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God with you. I'm going to live for God without you. And uh, whatever it is, if it's a job situation and that job won't let you be victorious, I'd get rid of that job. I wouldn't let any job cause me to go to hell, cause me to lose my soul. Amen. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, you ought to pluck it out. Yeah, that's right. Your hand gets in the way, you ought to cut it off. Your foot, cast it from you. Whatever's in the way, get it out of the way. Because making it all the way to the finish line and hearing the Lord say, well done, is going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. Amen. I, I want to begin this morning. You can stand just for a moment. Change your position if you'd like to. I'm going to begin by reading from Peter's second epistle. Chapter two, verse number nine, and I've got. To, uh, I'm going to read from the Bible a few verses here, and then a few verses more, and maybe a few verses more, just because, you know, I, this is the book I preach from. I preach from the Bible. You know, I, there's a lot of current events going on that's foretold in the Bible, maybe not in explicit detail, but they're foretold. But anyway, I'm preaching from the Word of the Lord today, verse number 9, 2 Peter chapter 2. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Dropping down to verse 20, we read, If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Then we read, it's happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. In the eighth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, verse number 12, Jesus spoke about certain children of the kingdom. This is Matthew 8, verse 12. Children of the kingdom, he said, that would be cast into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the same book of Matthew, chapter 25 and verse number 30, Jesus speaks of casting the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where he said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
In chapter 22, the same gospel account, verse number 10, Jesus addressed the chief priests and the Pharisees by way of a parable about people who had been invited to a great wedding feast. And while reviewing the guests who came, the king noticed one of the guests who wasn't wearing a wedding garment. And according to verse number 12, he asked the man, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And notice, the guest was speechless. At that point, the king instructed his servants to bind the man hand and foot, to take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, a lot of people don't want to talk about hell today. A lot of people don't want to think about hell today. In fact, a lot of preachers would like to rip every verse in the Bible that talks about hell. They'd like to rip it out of the Bible. However, hell is as real as heaven. There are more verses and passages of Scripture in the good book that talk about hell than those that reference heaven. I'm not being negative today, but I hope somebody will get a wake-up call, whether in this church house or listening to the broadcast today, to understand that hell is a place that you really don't want to go to. And so the king said to cast that guest without the wedding garment to into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. In the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, verse number 5, we hear Jesus say, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me. You can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, Jesus said, he is cut off as a branch and withers, and men cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I want to be in him today. I want to be in him today. I want his spirit to be in me. I want to live and abide in him now and for all eternity. God bless you. And may God enrich our hearts by the reading of His Word. You may be seated. I was sitting in a church service one, one evening when a voice clear and strong spoke just a single word to my heart. I was so confident of the Lord speaking to me and the impact was so very forceful until I quickly reached for a piece of paper and made careful notation. The word impressed upon me in such a unique setting was simply casualties. Casualties. And in a split second of time, my attention was drawn to a particular woman who was sitting in the congregation that evening. Uh, this woman has since become a, a pictorial definition of the very word that God spoke to me that day. And so it is from such a sobering experience this particular message was born. By way of definition, 
Casualties in a military sense of the word may speak of soldiers who've been wounded, captured, or even killed in battle. For example, during World War I, over a hundred years ago, 53 million men were in uniform. And it's estimated that more than 16 million people died as casualties of war. Twenty-five years later, during World War II, uh, combined battle deaths and civilian casualties from all over the globe were estimated to be about 73 million casualties can also refer to people or things that are injured, badly affected, or otherwise destroyed by events or disastrous situations of life. For example, the influenza pandemic that swept the world more than a century ago wiped out an estimated 50 million people. Uh, casualties. I'm talking about casualties. Another example, the 9-11 terrorist attack against America was the deadliest of its kind in history, accounting for nearly 3,000 deaths with more than 6,000 others who were seriously injured. Another example of casualties that's truly horrific as far as I'm concerned is the reality of 56 million abortions being carried out around the world every single year. No, not, not combined. Every single year, 56 million abortions being carried out around the world. Furthermore, some 60 million abortions have been carried out on our own beloved American soil since the United States Supreme Court passed Roe versus Wade less than 50 years ago. And presently, an estimated 3,000 abortions are taking place in the so-called land of the free every single day. I'm talking about casualties. From a spiritual perspective, Paul speaks of casualties in the opening chapter of his first letter to Brother Timothy, where he charged the young minister concerning good warfare. He charged him about keeping the faith and having a good conscience toward God. Going on, he even mentioned certain individuals by name, mind you, who had faced spiritual shipwreck. He was talking about casualties. Furthermore, out of concern that Paul himself would never become a casualty statistic. Whenever he wrote to the Corinthians, Paul spoke about keeping under his body and bringing it into subjection, lest that by any means after preaching to others, he himself would become a castaway. Truthfully, I believe that most of us can identify with casualties in both a natural and spiritual sense of the word. 
I've been involved in ministry now for more than 50 years. And whenever I call to remembrance the faces and the testimonies of those that I've pastored and ministered to during that period of time, I'm often overwhelmed, to say the least. For as I walk down that long memories lane, reviewing hundreds and even thousands of people my ministry has touched all over the world, I'm always reminded of some by name or face who have since become casualties. I can't help but think of a woman named Bonnie who indeed became a casualty. I remember the first time Bonnie visited our church uh, family. She uh, had been invited to come. When the woman walked into the sanctuary at the time, I would say probably in her mid-60s, she had a very hardened face. She was very, you know... Restrained and had everybody held at an arm's length. I observed her as the worship service went on and as the preaching then went forth and Bonnie was observing. She was listening. She was taking everything in. I remember when Bonnie made her way to the altar and broke. When she sobbed and cried and emptied out. You see, Bonnie was the mother of about eight children, and she had no relationship with any of them. She had been cut off from her family for many, many years. She had lived a wild, reckless, and sinful life. And as a result, she was just now in a very broken condition. But she broke before God and she surrendered herself. And lo and behold, the Lord poured His Holy Spirit out upon Bonnie and she spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. We took her to the waters of baptism. She was buried with Christ in the only name given unto heaven among men whereby we must be saved. She called on the name of Jesus for the remission of her sins. It was a happy day. I can still see Bonnie in my mind's eye this morning. I can see her as she would dance in the church services. I mean, it was as if she would just float across the front of the church and she'd get lost in the presence of God. And it was as if, you know, man, you talk about someone having a new life. Bonnie had a new life. But as time went on, she went from rags to riches. Bonnie went from having absolutely nothing to having anything she wanted. She was working for an elderly uh, lady in the Bangor Brewer community. The woman was uh, very wealthy. Uh, her husband had owned a major business in the the uh, city complex for 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 decades, and uh, she lived in a mansion, and she asked Bonnie to come and live in her home and take care of her and take her places that she needed to go and fix her meals and do all that needed to be done for Mrs. Bean. And so Bonnie accepted the position, and Bonnie, I mean, her... her 
She didn't have to struggle from day to day anymore. She didn't have to wonder where the next paycheck was coming from or the next dollar was going to come in from. And I remember one day when my wife and I went to visit Bonnie at Mrs. Bean's mansion, and we walked in and we sat down and we were visiting with Bonnie and and uh, man, she could have knocked me over with a feather. She looked at me and she said, Pastor, she said, look at me. She said, look at all I've got. She said, look, look I've, got, oh, I've got nice clothes to wear. She said, I've got a nice car to drive. She said, I've got money. I've got anything I want. She said, I, I live in a beautiful home. And, and on and on she was naming all the natural things of this life that can be gone in the snap of a finger. And she said, then she said to me, so why do I need God? I thought... Bonnie. And then I, the preacher came out in me. And I began to, to preach to Bonnie for a while. And I began to reach beyond all of those conflicting thoughts. You know, the same kind of thoughts that Eve had way back in the garden when that she thought, well, well, why not? You know, and, and I want to tell somebody today, if you've been listening to the voice of the enemy, you ought to turn him off. I said, you ought to turn him off, because he won't tell you what's right. He'll tell you what you might think is right. He'll tell you what you might want to be right, but it won't be right. It wasn't right for Bonnie, and, and oh, she didn't leave church right then, but Elder, the seeds were planted. The seeds were in her mind. The seeds were in her spirit. And it wasn't long until Bonnie was uh, drifting away. You know what? I don't have time to tell all the stories today, but I remember many times after that getting letters from Bonnie when she'd write, Dear Brother Sister Smith, and she was writing from a jail cell. Bonnie went back into this sinful world. She got wrapped up in things that... I mean, she didn't have a nice car to drive anymore. She didn't have a weekly paycheck coming in. She didn't have the fine things of life anymore. She didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. But the enemy had her where he wanted her. She had returned to the vomit again. She had returned as a sow to her wallowing in the mire again. Bonnie truly became a casualty. I vividly remember standing by a bonfire on the church property more than 37 years ago after several exuberant youth had come into our local assembly and among them was a young man by the name of Floyd. It happened that I taught Floyd and his expectant girlfriend a Bible study that soon expanded into several more Bible studies with many other people, both young and old. Floyd so very much wanted the Holy Ghost, until as he walked a mile and a half or so to church one winter evening, he'd go, he'd go just a few yards, and then Floyd would kneel down in the snow, and he'd raise both hands up to heaven, and he'd say, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost tonight. And he'd get up, and he'd walk a few more yards, and he'd kneel down, and he'd put his hands up and pray the same prayer over and over again repeatedly. 
Hallelujah. But you know what? When he got to church that night, and when he got into the sanctuary, it happened just like he prayed it would. And the Lord opened the windows of heaven and filled Floyd with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. I can still see Floyd in my mind's eye standing up in a in a chair or on a pew to testify during a church. So, oh, it wasn't enough just to stand up and no, no, he had to jump up on a up on a bench, up on a pew, up in a chair and magnify the Lord. I mean, there was excitement in his soul. He would do. He orchestrated and conducted outreach services and there's so much more that I could say as he would help in church services and and I and I I can still remember when he talked to me about his call to the ministry but you know what today Floyd is no more than a casualty because he got mixed up he got tripped up he allowed thoughts to get in his head that shouldn't have got in his head and he shouldn't have allowed them to stay in his mind and and, uh, you know the result was his marriage busted up and today only one of his four children remains in church to serve the Lord. Floyd became a casualty. I'm also reminded of a young girl named Annette who is now in her 50s. Her mother brought her to church as just a child. She attended our Christian school and often stayed in the Smith home to help with our small children. She was actually like a daughter to my wife and me. However, bad choices that Annette made from days of youth soon contributed to life becoming a literal hell on earth. I heard her say while she was just a youth that one of her favorite songs was, I'm a little runaway, a rock song. And you know what? That's just exactly what Annette became. She was rebellious, promiscuous. She got into drugs and alcohol. She ran with the wrong crowd. You name it, Annette did it. And while just a young teenager, she ran away from home on several different occasions. Whenever she'd get into big trouble, my phone would always ring. Annette would call from near or even from so far away. She'd call when she was stoned out of her head. She'd call whenever she feared for life. In fact, she called me one day from Phoenix, Arizona when she was hysterical and she said, you've got to help me, Brother Smith. The devil has my soul. And she was screaming on the other end of the line. But nothing ever seemed to be drastic enough to actually turn Annette around and to change her world. And unfortunately today, she's just another casualty. Some I used to pastor and enjoy such close fellowship with, I can no longer identify with. Instead, there's now a huge gap. That separates us. You see, whenever an individual begins to distance himself or herself from the man of God, they've always got a reason. And unless the underlying problem is dealt with and resolved, maybe suddenly 
could be gradually, but over time, a casualty most always is going to be the result. We look at what happened to King Saul in Old Testament times. King Saul dismissed Samuel as the God-ordained authority in his life. Anybody can see that Saul became a casualty indeed. Consider the tragedy in Absalom's life whenever he rose up in rebellion against the leadership of his own father, King David. As a result, Absalom and many others became casualties, to say the least. And that's just exactly how it happened in the case of the man we know as Judas Iscariot. As well, uh, Judas continued to distance himself further and further from the Master. And it's plain for all of us to see that a chosen disciple in time became a casualty. You see, whenever a star leaves its assigned orbit, it's destined to burn out and a casualty is always the result. Likewise, whenever people get separated from the will of God, departing from His infallible Word and from God's intended path, the result can only be a course that leads to destruction. And eventually, eventually, unless the individual comes to himself and turns back to God, there's going to be a casualty. Yeah, you've seen it. I've seen it. God help us that we don't follow such kind of a course. Take a look at the man in Old Testament Scripture named Uzziah that we read about in the 26th chapter of Second Chronicles. He was, he was catapulted into the limelight by becoming king over Judah at the young age of 16. Verse 4 says, Uzziah did that which was right. In the sight of the Lord. In verse number 5 we read, He sought God. Verse 7 tells us, God helped him. And verse number 8 lets us know that his name and his fame spread far and wide as Uzziah strengthened himself exceedingly. In fact, according to verse 15 of the account, he was marvelously helped till... He was strong. For 52 long and glorious years of his reign in Judah, there was one achievement after another. Seemingly nothing was going to mar his wonderful record. If only Uzziah's reign would have culminated in that kind of setting. But verse number 16 of that chapter says, When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the sacred temple to burn incense upon the altar. Oh, Uzziah. Oh, king of Judah. All those years that were so, so profitable and so good.
understood why before you finish the course of this life would you be lifted up to your own destruction. You see, King Uzziah actually destroyed himself by overstepping his God-appointed role. You see, a king wasn't authorized to administer the duties of a priest and casualty was the result. Uzziah's fatal flaw emerged at the zenith of his power. Apparently, he equated success with license to do his own thing. And you know, there's a lot of people that I've known in my lifetime that do the same thing. They're successful on a job. They're successful in business. They're successful in other areas of life. And they think that success licenses them to do things that really they got no license to do. You'll never have a license to get above the voice of your man of God. I said you'll never have a license from God to disregard the voice of your God-ordained leadership. Amen. But for Uzziah, he equated success with license to do his own thing. His earthly success actually paved the way for him to become another casualty. God bless you. God bless you more. And God bless you some more. I'm not against success. I'm not against people prospering and getting ahead. But don't ever get things out of balance. And don't ever allow success to become what you focus your attention on. Whatever you do, don't fail because of success. Don't ever be destroyed by the very thing that's that's allowed you to be lifted up. But hear this preacher when I tell you on a Sunday morning at First Pentecostal Church that success in one area of life doesn't necessarily crown us with authority in other arenas. And truthfully, Christians should never worship success in any form. In Jude's brief epistle, You'll notice, and it won't take you very long to read that chapter. It just might take you longer to digest what it's talking about. But in this brief epistle, Jude makes reference to the way of Cain. He talks about the era of Balaam and the gainsaying of Korah. He also speaks about clouds without water, trees without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. And in verse 13, he references raging waves of the sea and wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Plainly speaking, Jude points out one Casualty after another. It's one casualty after another. But I want to boldly say this morning, it's absolutely the will of God for your soul and for my soul to be saved. Did you hear me say it? It's the will of God for you and me to be saved. Amen. Furthermore, our great loving God has no delight at all in a single soul being lost. Don't ever settle for merely part of the gospel message because even as Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again in the very same manner, we also have to die with Christ by repenting of all sin. But we can't stop there. 
Hear me today. I tell you what, there are people that have attended Pentecostal churches for years, some for decades, but they've stopped where they never should have stopped. They've stopped short of the gospel being applied to their own lives like it needs to be. You see, we also, in addition to repentance, we must be buried with Christ by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, which is the only saving name under heaven given among men, where by we must be saved. But we don't stop there either. For the Bible said without the Spirit of Christ we are none of His. And so just as Jesus rose up from the grave on the resurrection morning in the very same manner, we also must be raised up with Christ to walk with Him in newness of life by being filled to overflowing with His Holy Spirit that causes us to speak with other tongues as the Spirit Spirit of God gives utterance. What a wonderful privilege to be brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. To pass from death unto life. You see, salvation isn't the result of having money. It's not because of your education, a good job, or even because of what your family name is. Rather, new life begins whenever we're born again of water and spirit. Amen. What a wonderful change. A glorious transformation takes place in the life of a sinner who truly repents and surrenders self to the will and the plan of Almighty God. Could be a wretched sinner that's been a million miles away from God. Could be someone who has been raised around the church all his or her life. Could be a backslider, a soul astray. But you hear me when I tell you today, if we're going to have the change and the transformation that all of us need, then we got to surrender self to the will and word of God. You see, it's not merely God's will to save us from our sins. His ultimate desire is to keep us from sin as well. Yet not all who stop the Christian race are going to cross the finish line in victory. Not being a pessimist today, I'm being a realist. I said not everybody that starts the Christian race is going to cross the finish line in victory. You can, you need to, but that doesn't mean you will. In other words, we don't put it on cruise. In fact, they've got the new cars out today that will... But I'll tell you, it won't work that way on this wonderful Christian journey. You can't put it on cruise. We'll never just take hands off and we're just driven whether we want to be or not. We're driven. No, no, no. you got to make a daily choice. you got to make a daily commitment. you got to keep self-emptied out at an altar and surrendered to God. And I'm telling somebody, it's going to be worth making heaven your home. Amen. Amen. 
This weekend, tomorrow, Tuesday, we're honoring Sister Duplissy. I tell you what, she didn't take an exit off the right road before she came to the finish line. But we're going to celebrate her life and we're going to celebrate great victory because she made it. She crossed the finish line. She'll enter into the presence of God and He'll say, well done. I'm telling you, I intend to make heaven my home. I intend to go the last mile of this journey and be victorious. Hallelujah. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, and I'm about to wrap up. The man of God speaks of those who forsake the right way and they go astray. We read from the scripture reading at the outset of the message today. In verse number 20, Peter mentions people who escape the pollution of this world but become entangled therein once again and they're overcome. Can you imagine? He's talking about those that were in the right way but they forsake it. He's talking about those who escaped the pollution of this world but became entangled once again. Oh, the reality and the sad accounts of casualties that I've referenced in today's message as well as many others that are depicted in this book we know as the Bible. Peter said the latter end with them is worse than the beginning. I'm preaching about casualties today when the latter end is worse than the beginning. That's how it happened for Bonnie. That's how it happened for Annette. That's how it happened for King Saul. That's how it happened for Judas. That's how it's happened to so many others that we could talk about and think about. And Peter said it had been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness then after knowing it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. One of the very few people who ever succeeded in walking all the way from New York City to San Francisco was once asked about the most difficult part of his challenging feat. To the surprise of many, the man simply replied, the toughest part of the entire venture wasn't traversing steep mountain slopes or crossing stretches of hot, dry, barren desert. Instead, the thing that came the closest to defeating me was the sand that got in my shoes. Just the sand that got in his shoes. I'm telling somebody today on this journey, there'll be days sand gets in our shoes. You better get it out. You better take care of the sand in the shoes or you could be defeated. Oh, maybe you have faced challenges that were so so mountainous and so unbelievable and you came through with victory, but you leave sand in your shoes. You'll soon form a blister and that blister can take your life naturally and that's how it happens spiritually too. Just the sand that gets in the shoes. By the same token, Sir Francis Drake, a 16th century English explorer who sailed around the world. Man, he was, he was heralded as a great adventurer and a huge success. He had sailed all the way around the world back in the 1500s. But he was crossing the Thames River one day when a violent storm threatened to sink his ship. 
And uh, Sir Francis Drake, this great explorer, cried out, Shall I who have endured the storms of vast oceans now drowned in a ditch? I believe every child of God should frequently remind ourselves of the real danger of getting sand in our shoes or of just becoming sidetracked on the Christian journey or, I guess I could just say, being destroyed by insignificant little things, little things, things that don't amount to anything. Why do we allow the enemy to cause us to struggle and get tripped up over things that aren't going to matter anyway when this life is over? And we stand before God with all others. wonder how many people who've sat on the pews of First Pentecostal Church of Silsby may now be eternal casualties. I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to probe our thinking today. I pastored the same church for, for over 38 years. And though I can talk about one saint of God after another with great joy and great pleasure, there are others that I think about that bring me grief because they became casualties along the way. Set on the pews, had such a touch of God on their lives, but they allowed the sand in their shoes and, and the little storms of life, the insignificant things to hinder them. And today, the casualties. Stand with me if you would. What about all of those that all of us have known through the years who've come to the very gate of heaven only to turn aside and become casualties before it could be said they fought a good fight. They finished the course and they kept the faith. Huh? Come on. Come on. How many funerals have I attended of beloved saints of God? And that scripture is quoted over and over again. They fought a good fight. Thank God they did. But what about me? And what about you? What about so many others that it could be said of them at the end of the journey, but somehow they've allowed things to get in the way. And so as a result of becoming casualties, that will never be said. Of them, It will never be said they finished the course. They kept the faith. Not only is that true of good saints that we've known, but it's true of some ministers and pastors that I've known. I, I look back over 50 plus years of ministry and I think of preaching for pastors and, and in churches where that we had great moves of God and great revival atmospheres and and yet in my mind's eye today, 
I think of some of those pastors who thereafter became casualties. They lost out with God. They didn't cross the line in victory. And what a sad, sad thing for them. I think of people who had been of great influence in the kingdom of God. And as a result, hundreds and thousands of people have been birthed into the kingdom of God. But today, they got sidetracked somewhere between then and where they are right now. And today, they're casualties. Maybe there are thousands that will cross the finish line because of them. But they themselves will become a castaway or have become a castaway. My best friend, Billy, we grew up together. We were buddies. Anybody ask me to this day, who who was your best friend growing up? I'll say, Billy. Yeah, we went to church together. I played the piano. He played the trumpet. We not only went to the home church together, we traveled to other church services together. We were just boys, you know, just young teenagers. But we'd go play music in other churches that didn't have music. And our pastor would be going there to preach, and we'd go with him, and we'd take care of music. And But Billy, you know, he married a Christian girl. He married a preacher's daughter. But Billy got sidetracked. Billy became a casualty. Last time I ever remember Billy sitting on the pews of that church when I finished preaching and the altars were full of people reaching to God. I saw Billy sitting back there in his seat. He had just come to the state for a brief visit. And I, I walked back to him. I sat down beside him, put my arm around him. I said, Billy, you really need to pray tonight. He shook his head. He said, David, I can't. I've gone too far. I've gone too far. The enemy had him convinced he'd gone too far. At 59 years of age, Billy went out of this world with lung cancer that ate him up. Last few times I visited Billy in a two-week period, he was a skeleton of skin over bones. As far as I know, he never got it right with God, never got it taken care of. I'm telling you today, the devil wants you to be a casualty. If you're listening to this broadcast and you're away from God and you're not where you need to be or if you're in this beautiful sanctuary today and you don't have victory with God you need, the devil wants you to be a casualty. But somebody needs to stand up on your hind legs. Somebody needs to get some grit inside of you and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to surrender my will to God. I'm going to empty myself out. I'm going to get right with God today. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow. I'm not going to wait for another revival service. I'm not going to wait till Brother Cody Marks comes. I'm going to do it today. I want to get things right with God. And so at the close of this Sunday morning meeting, I wonder if there's somebody under the sound of the preacher's voice. You do whatever God wants you to do. Don't do what the flesh wants you to do. The flesh won't do, lead you in the right way. I remember a young man that used to sing, don't follow that crowd. They'll lead you the wrong way. I'm telling you today, your flesh and that worldly crowd's going to lead you the wrong way. But if you listen to the voice of God, if you respond to the conviction and the tug and the pull of the Holy Ghost, that you're feeling today. You won't be the same once this service is over. God's got something in store for some people in the house and some people listening to this service right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about the most important decision of life? And that is the choice.
for your soul. Jesus has voted that you'd make it. The devil, we know, voted that you wouldn't, but you're going to cast the deciding vote. Someone said, I can't do it. The devil won't let me. Don't you get hung up on such a foolish, foolish thing. The devil doesn't have more power than God. And God's not going to violate your will. So you're the one that's going to make the deciding decision. You're going to make the choice whether you're going to make it or whether you're not. But you've got to draw a line in the sand and step over that line and say, I'm not going back across it again. Amen. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I have a wonderful wife. I thank God for her. We've walked together, lived together all these years. Have a, have a, we've crossed the oceans. We've done missionary work. We've pastored churches. We've raised families. But I've told my wife and I've told others, whether my wife chooses to live for God or walk away from God, I'm going to live for God. You've got to have that kind of a determination. You say, oh, that's easier said than done. I guarantee it is easier said than done. But you've got to make up your mind some things that are hard. You've got to do it anyway. Even when it's a challenge, even when it's difficult, you've got to make up your mind. I'm going to do it anyway. If my kids don't make it, i got to make it. If my grandkids don't go, i got to go. If my friends don't do it, I gotta do it. You gotta do it. Come on today. What about it? What's the choice? What are you gonna do about your soul? Are you gonna be an overcomer or will you be another casualty? I've opened this altar today. Anybody that feels like you want to step to a place of prayer, you're welcome to come. If you want to stand in your seat, if you want to kneel in your seat, if you want to run to this altar, if you want to get on your hands and knees and crawl, if you're in your home and you feel like you need to lay down in the floor today, I'd lay down in the floor today. I'd do whatever i got to do. So help me, Jesus. I'd do whatever i got to do today. Because we're not talking about just the now and the present. We're talking about the eternal. Eternal future. We're talking about forever, forever, forevermore. Time without end. And we're on our way to that place. We're on our way to that finish line. Either we're going to cross it in victory or we're going to fall short before we get there. But you can make it and God wants you to make it. It's up to you. You can do it. God will help you do it. That's where the power and the victory of the Holy Ghost comes in. You've got to settle it. I'm going to make it by the help of God. Amen. Lift your voice to the Lord. Cry out to Him today. Let the Lord know how much you want Him, how much you need Him. Let Him know i got to have you, Lord. Oh. I need your victory, Lord. I need your victory, Lord. I need your victory, Lord. Victory in my soul today. Victory that only God can give. If this is the last service I ever attend, if this is the last message I ever hear, help me, oh God, to go out in victory. Help me to cross the finish line with success in God. Whatever you gotta do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. For eternity.
It's in altars of prayer and consecration like this where we surrender self, where we empty all, where we give God our best. It's in altars just like this where lives are changed forever. Not going to be the same again. Not going to be like I've been before. Somebody needs to break the old mold of this world. Somebody needs to break out of this old worldly way of thinking and get your mind set on Jesus. What am I to do to me? Don't let me be lost for eternity. A wonderful touch of God in this sanctuary. A wonderful atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. I pray in your own home today as the Spirit of the Lord is reaching to where you're at. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the storm. Put your life in the hand of the man who created the heavens and the earth. Jesus, 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 I surrender myself. I give my all. I empty out my will. Whatever, whatever, whatever you've got to do, do it to me, Lord. Don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost for eternity. Sweeping move of the Holy Ghost. Sweep through this sanctuary. Sweep through this house. Put your hand on every soul today. Let the tug of God tug us, tug us, pull us, draw us, help us. I've got to be saved. Anything He wants, anything God wants, whatever He desires, I'm giving my all to you. Come on, somebody today, somebody break at the altar of God. Let yourself be broken. Let your will be broken. Let your own desires be surrendered at the altars of God. Above all else, I must be
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Why don't we, before we leave this place this morning, let's just lift our hands toward heaven. Let's make our calling and election sure. Nothing, I will let nothing destroy me. I will not be a casualty. Oh, I'm going to rededicate and consecrate my life to the Lord today. Come on, church, lift up your voice. Come on, saint of God, you're not immune to the devil. Come on, you that are in your home today, lift up your voice and reach out to God right now. and thank God for His Word today. Thank You, God. Thank You, Lord. Come on, lift up Your voice unto the Lord. I don't want to become a casualty, oh God. Help us today, Holy Ghost. Help us today, Holy Ghost. Oh God, search me today, Lord. I want to be right. I want to be right. I want to be pure. I want to be holy before You. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give God praise for the Word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Smith, for the wonderful Word of God today. Amen. Let Brother and Sister Smith know how much we appreciate them being here in the house of God with us. How much we enjoyed the Word of the Lord this morning. Remember, there will be no service this evening, but there will be choir practice at 6 o'clock. So remember that, and uh, the choir will be singing tomorrow night uh, at the service for Sister Duplessy, so remember that. And uh, I want to say again, thank you for everything that the church has done and what you are doing and what you will be doing in the next couple of days. Thank you so very much for all of that, all the calls, all the texts, all the flowers, the things that shows your concern. And um, Lord bless you. And I ask you for your prayers for the family. Pray for those who are sick. And uh, for the prayer of Brother Duplessy and uh, my wife, my girls, myself, all the Duplessy family. Lord bless you. Uh, remember, try to refrain from shaking hands and hugging necks. I know it's very difficult, but do your best to, to abide by that. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Don't forget to carry all of your belongings with you. Uh, they will be coming in here for a funeral very quickly, so uh, as quick as we could exit this morning would be a help.